The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you have a Bible, please open it to the book of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 15 from 1 through 10. When you find it, please stand. Luke 15, verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, One man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which, after that which is lost until he finds it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And he cometh home, he call, and when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to stand here and preach your word. Father, this is your book, and as Christians, it is our obligation to proclaim it. Father, pray that you will convict the heart of anyone who is here who doesn't know you as Savior. And for anyone who will listen later, Lord, I pray that you do a work on them that has never been done before. Pray for our pastor and Pam, Lord. Pray that you will give them the strength that they need to go through this trial. Help the leaders of this church, Lord, to carry on this work and make sure that your work continues, that the preaching goes out and people will be brought into salvation. Pray for our missionaries overseas, Lord. Pray that you help them to build up whatever churches they're working on. Pray for our brother Wilson Maungo and the difficulty that he's going through right now. Pray that you will help us, Lord, to help him financially if that is possible. Bless the preaching of your word tonight, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There are three parables in this chapter. And they all deal with something that is lost. Jesus told this parable in response to the accusation 
of the scribes and Pharisees in verse 2. The scribes and Pharisees in the time of Christ were like fleas on a stray dog, always hanging around and very difficult to get rid of them. The Lord began to talk to these people in parables in Matthew 13 when they rejected him the first time and accused him of being in league with Satan in Matthew 12, verse 24. But here in Luke, the first parable is is the lost sheep. The second is the lost coin. And the last one is the lost son, which is better known as the prodigal son. And the punchline in these parables, what is emphasized, is the love of God for lost sinners. And for sure, we don't, we don't get this. We don't understand it. And because we don't see it, we don't weep enough. And we don't try harder for those who are dying and going to hell. We all have neighbors, family members, people that we know that need to know. They need to hear about Christ and we just think that everything is fine. And slowly but surely, they're dying, sliding gracefully into hell, and we're not doing a whole lot about it. Lost people are everywhere, on their way to hell, unaware of the danger that they are in. And so in case you haven't heard this, and if you're sitting here today, or whoever is going to listen to this later, Christ still in the business of saving people and salvation is still available. Today I'll be concentrating for the most part on the, on the lost coin, but I'll say a few things about the lost sheep and I'll make a brief comment at the end about the lost son or the prodigal son. The Lord begins with the parable of the lost sheep in verse 4 with an illustration of a shepherd. But this shepherd is unique in the way he deals with his sheep. This shepherd is willing to die for them. And he started off with a hundred, and he's going to come through with a hundred. In John 10 and verse 11, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to keep one open because we're going to read a lot of verses here today. And I'll try to slow down so you can look him up. Anyhow, John ten eleven says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Chapter 10, in John ten twenty seven and 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither should any man pluck them out of my hand. Out of, out of my hand, yes. So when one sheep goes wandering away from the flock or herd, whichever you prefer, this shepherd will not be content with 99. He goes after that one that is lost and won't rest until he finds it and brings it back. And when he finds it, the Bible said that he puts it on his shoulders instead of beating him up for being stubborn and foolish. He's very tender in the way he deals with it. Puts it on his shoulders and brings it home. And he's happy that he found his lost sheep. Not only that, he calls his friends to rejoice with him 
because he has found that which was lost. In the first two parables here, the Lord tells you that your soul is extremely valuable. It's so valuable that all the wealth in this world is not enough to pay for one soul. Heaven, then, is a happy place because the Bible says that the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. And I know that somewhere around the world, at any time, at least one sinner is coming to Christ all day, all hours, all the time. Luke 10, I'm sorry, Luke 19 and verse 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek that, to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you are a sinner, which I hope you are, because if you're not, I'm wasting my time preparing this sermon, and I'm sure wasting my time preaching it now. But if you are a sinner, you are in good company. Because God only saves sinners. And if you want to go to heaven, you have to join the crooks. Because every sin that is committed is a crime against God. That makes you and me a criminal. And all of us, for sure, for those of us who are saved now, were rescued out of the kingdom of Satan and were brought into the kingdom of God. See, nobody deserves to go to heaven. Nobody qualifies. And the only way that you will go is by agreeing with the Lord that you are a sinner and that you need a savior. And the Lord in his mercy will have compassion on you and will pardon your sins and will give you eternal life. We have all missed the mark. That's all. Universally. Romans 3.23, I think everybody knows that verse. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you. That's me. And anybody you know in the world. But on the contrary, on Romans 5.8 says, But God commanded his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the opposite. Think about this. You're going to die one day. Nothing brings reality like death. Nothing brings you face to face with the reality of sin than physical death. I spent a few hours in, those, in this trip we had with a family member who was in last hours. This person is going to die at any time. And the crooked Roman Catholics have sent a, nurse, uh, a nun to be with her, assuring them that Mary is interceding for her so she can appease the wrath of Christ to receive her soul after she comes out of purgatory. What blasphemy that is. People that are lost... Usually, they only think about this reality when they're staring at a casket. They see their loved one dead. That's the only time they, they ask for prayer. Or they go to God for prayer. You ever seen a Roman Catholic get in trouble? Big trouble? They're always praying to Mary or the saints. 
But when they're, they find themselves in real trouble, they don't go to Mary. They go straight to God. <laughs> if they could see Mary, they'll say, step aside, I need to talk to the Lord. Hebrews 9.27 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Whether we like it or not, we all have an appointment with death, and after that, with God. And we are all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's for those who are saved. But for the lost, it's a whole different judgment. If you are saved, your sins were judged on the cross. This is comforting because if the Lord will put on display all the sins that we have committed on a giant screen for the whole universe, universe to see, I am sure that some of us will puke at that sight. Now remember that whether you are saved or lost, judgment is coming. And if you, if you end up in hell, you are going to be judged based on what is on your record. On that day, the Bible says that even your secrets, if you secrets, had secrets, they'll be revealed. Even the things that you have done in secret that you think that nobody knows will be put on display. And if you think that you can get away with sin, you need to think again because God keeps a good record of everything that we do down here. Romans 2.16 says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's Paul's gospel. What can you possibly say when you stand face to face with the Creator, the one who loved you enough to die for you, and you turn him down when people preach to you and told you that it is possible to have eternal life in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So Jesus Christ is looking to save sinners, to save that which is lost. And for sure, whether you are saved or lost, we are all beggars in this world, the wealthy and the poor. The only difference between saved people and lost people is that the saved ones, we know where to find bread to satisfy our souls. And lost people don't. This is why when we preach to lost people or we try to read the Bible to them or witness to them, they don't understand it. You give a Bible to a lost person, they give it back to you and say, I can't read it, I don't understand it. And that's, that is, the Bible confirms that, said that, the things of God are foolish to those who are lost. Mark 2.17 says, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You never go to the doctor unless you're sick. In the case of a lost person, he or she is not sick. He or she is dead spiritually. And only God can give you life that is spiritual life, eternal life, abundant life. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So that's the introduction. Let me get to the text here. Let me get to the sermon. Let's talk for a few minutes about this lost coin. A lost sheep is easy to understand, as well as a lost son. But how do we get a lost silver coin in the picture here? And why silver? So I need you to take your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30. And when you find it, put your finger there or a marker, and then find Leviticus chapter 5. Silver in your Bible is a picture of redemption. In Bible language, silver is redemption. So Exodus 30, verse 11, we're going to read down to 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for, their, for his soul unto the Lord, when that number is them, that there be no plague among them, when that number is them. These they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A half a shekel is twenty geras, and half a shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Every one that passeth among them that are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. Then they, then they give, when they give an offering unto the Lord, to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt, make, thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Now let's go to Leviticus 5, four, uh, we start up verse uh, 14, and we'll make the connection here. Leviticus 5.14 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, If a soul committed trespass and sin through ignorance if the in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks with thy, esti thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he had done in the holy things. Holy thing. And he shall add the fifth part thereunto and give, un give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram and the of the trespass offering. And it shall be given him. And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, ye yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest, and the priest shall make 
and atonement for him concerning his ignorance wherein he erred and with it not, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. So silver here pictures redemption. But we need to define this here. What, is, what, what does it mean? 1 John 5.19 says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. To redeem something is to buy it back. The whole world is in the hands of Satan. And anyone who is unsaved is sitting on a shelf in the shop that belongs to the devil. And the price that is required to buy you back and get you out of the shop that belongs to Satan is blood. Nothing else will do. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 so in Exodus, you are told what the shekel of the sanctuary is. And in Leviticus, you are told that it is the basis for estimation of a trespass offering. In other words, to lose the silver is to lose the ability of redemption. And so the question is, what is the lost coin? As demonstrated by necessity, sweeping and searching everywhere for that which is lost is the responsibility of those who understand the value of redemption. Nobody else cares about those people who are dying and go to hell, but only those who are saved now and understand that there was a day when you and I were on our way to hell and were rescued by Christ. If you understand that, you will have compassion on those who don't know the Lord. If you don't, you can pass opportunities to witness. But if you are a true Christian, I don't see how you can spend five minutes with a stranger and not open your mouth and say something about the Lord. The woman in this parable had lost something that was precious to her. and She was not about to stop looking for it until she found it. Nothing in this world is more important and valuable than the souls of people. And we are, as Christians need to be searching and looking, stirring up the dust, make the miserable comfortable and the comfortable miserable. Tell them about the Lord. And if you can't win them, wound them, I say. Men by nature is altogether lost and spiritually dead, the Bible says. Physically alive, but dead spiritually. As a lost person without God, you do have the ability to hear what I'm saying, but you are unable to make the connections. And even though you have no spiritual life, no spiritual abilities, 
you do understand that there is a day of reckoning. Payday is coming. I think Brother Dalton pray, pray, say something about a sermon that is floating out there somewhere titled Payday. But in your lost condition, you cannot even begin to comprehend what it's going to be like to be rejected by God if you should die without Christ. And you always think that someone else will end up in hell. You never think that you could be there. And payday is coming. We all know that. And yet, people in their lost condition continue to reject the Lord. I have friends who tell me that they enjoy sinning and they know that they're going to hell and they hope to have a chance late in their lives so they could turn to Christ, not knowing that at any time their light can go out. Furthermore, God has put it in, this, in the heart of every person the desire to live forever. Nobody wants to die. I know I don't want to die. And if you do want to die, because something is out of balance up there. But in your mind, there's always that question that, is there life after death? Many people ask that question. And eternal life begins the moment you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And eternal punishment, the moment you die. And if you should reject them, that will be a tragedy. You're going to be rewarded, the Bible says, according to your deeds. And what you do with the message that is presented to you will determine where you're going to end up. You owe it to yourself. I always tell people, examine what we tell you from here. This is a, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do because preaching from a pulpit like this, you have the ability to either build up the Church of Christ or send people to hell if you get this wrong. I always, I'm always fearful of getting up here to preach because I don't want to get this wrong. But on one hand, we can build up the church or we can destroy it from here. In the same way that heaven is a literal place of unspeakable joy, hell is completely the opposite. It is a real place of unspeakable agony and torment. And you don't have to go there. Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 25, verse 41 says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell was not prepared for people. And anybody who goes there is because he or she decided to follow Satan. Salvation is a free gift offered by God to anyone, any person. It doesn't require a payment. You can't afford it anyways. And for sure, you don't deserve it. On top of that, regardless of how wealthy you are in the eyes of God, spiritually speaking, if you don't know Christ, you are flat broke. And if you end up in hell, it's not because 
nobody told you. You'll have no one to blame but you. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. When someone gives you a gift, you offend the person if you try to pay them for what they give you. This is free. It doesn't cost you anything, but it costs Jesus Christ his life. You always, you know that the phrase, it's never a free lunch. You get a free lunch, it only means that someone else is paying, not you. In this parable, the coin was lost and unaware that it was lost. That is precisely the condition of every person without Christ. In this case, the coin was in the house. Here we learn that it is possible to be sitting under the teaching and preaching of a good pastor who loves you and spends enough time preparing sermons Sunday after Sunday, month after month, year after year, and you are still lost and on your way to hell. One of the difficult things for me to do is to cast my vote when a disobedient Christian needs to be removed from the membership of this church. I hate to do that. But it's necessary to protect the integrity of the Church of Christ. We have to do that. It's a very unpleasant thing, and nobody likes to do that. In this case, the coin was lost, but not forgotten. A woman turned the house upside down, looking for it. And as Christians, I'm sure that we don't take the Great Commission serious like some of the missionaries working out there do. I tortured my son this, uh, on this trip, and I took him to a church that was invited. And it's like going to a circus for free. They sing for two hours one song over and over and over again. You sit in a building that's about over a hundred, metal roof, super hot. They sing that for an hour. Then whoever is up there, they ask for who wants to preach. And whoever wants to preach, they go up there and preach for a few minutes. And they just keep rotating. Finally, the preacher comes up and he just tells stories. There is no preaching, there is no teaching, there is no doctrine, there's nothing there. And yet these buildings are full. You wonder, how is it that people come to listen to this stuff? But they do. They're starving to hear the Word of God out there. I know that we don't see that here, but in different countries, people really want to hear the Gospel. To die without Christ is the greatest, the greatest tragedy that can happen to you. To be forever absent from the presence of God in a lake of fire, separated away from your family forever, away from your friends forever, away from your sons and daughters forever. Who's going to hell? For some of you, it's your father, it's your mother. It's your sons, your daughters, your spouse, your co-workers, people you know. In my case, the only people that I know that are saved is my wife and my family. My immediate family is my wife, my children, my mom, and one sister. Everybody else, 
they're happily marching, having a great time on their way to hell. And I'm telling you, it's heartbreaking when you try to witness to them and they shut you down. In Song of Songs, chapter 6 and verse 4, the church is compared to an army with banners. An army is made up of soldiers who are not afraid to face the enemy. It's going to get more and more difficult to preach as we go forward. But the church is the army that must fight the enemy of your, of your soul. The church has the responsibility to evangelize the world, to face the enemy. To, the, to declare the name of Christ throughout the world, trusting that God will convict the heart of sinners who hear the gospel and open their eyes so they can see their lost condition. We support missionaries here from different countries because we, we believe that the souls of people are priceless. And I believe that we are doing our part out there, but we're not doing a lot here. In these parables, the love of God is demonstrated in a homely setting. A woman lights a candle. I know that we have electricity in here. We don't know what it's like to look for something in the dark, but we were in some very primitive places down south, and that's all they use, little candles. Looking for something with a candle is very difficult. And she didn't stop. The fact that she lighted a candle indicates that she was looking at night in the dark. We always ask, the, we always ask the question, how big is the love of God for sinners? I think that we all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave, that's past tense. So that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, for over 2,000 years, God has been calling sinners to repent. And millions have trusted in him. Millions of them have been saved. The church is the instrument that God uses to reach the lost. And we have to get this message, message out, regardless of what takes place around here. And we need to get busy sweeping and searching. If every Christian will reach at least one person in a year, you know, we, can, we could fill this place if we all did that. One. One per person. If you could multiply yourself one time, just one. But we're not doing much. The new religion of the day is football. Drives me crazy when I hear this. You know, you go to any place on football Sunday, people actually stay away from church on Sunday. I'm sure that if the Lord will announce on a Friday saying that he's coming for his church on Sunday, some Christians will tell him, to come back on Monday or Tuesday because they want to know if their favorite team won the Super Bowl. 
In these three parables, the punchline is love. The end result is that God found that which, that which he was looking, and a celebration breaks out. And that celebration will last forever. If you should die without Christ, that will be a, a major tragedy, something that you will never recover from. If you don't take care of your sin problem, now while you have a chance, you'll be too late. Just like heaven is a place of never-ending joy, hell is a place of never-ending agony. And you don't have to go there. The remedy for your problem is Jesus Christ. So I guess you can say that this is lost and found. The love of God is on display here in three different illustrations. The lost sheep is, is worth more than the lost coin, and the lost coin is worth more than the lost sheep put together. The picture here is that God is looking for that which is lost. The lost sheep is lost because he's a stupid little animal that has no common sense. And for sure, when Christ refers to his people as sheep, it's not a compliment. Sheep are dumb, unable to take care of themselves. They have to depend on their shepherd for everything. The lost coin was lost because it's a dead object. It had no life of its own. And the only one who knows the value of it is the one who lost it. It's going to remain lost until somebody goes out there and finds it. In this case, the woman didn't wait until daylight. She immediately went out looking for it. Day and night is emblematic of good and evil. The children of God are known as the people of the light, children of the light, and unsaved people are known as the children of darkness. Not knowing God is like walking in the dark, not knowing where you're going, unable to see the dangers around you. You can fall at any time. So there's a sense of urgency here. Because you don't know if tomorrow you'll be alive. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath. And because people are not looking for God, it is our responsibility to go out there and look for them. Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of redemption in the wilderness. Temptation, I'm sorry, in the wilderness. The lost son was lost because he was stubborn, foolish, and had no common sense. In Jewish culture, it would be unthinkable for a younger brother to go to his father demanding to get his inheritance. That would be like saying to the old man, drop dead and give me what is mine and give it to me now. But it, what's incredible here is that the father gave it to him. He let him have it. If you willingly get involved in sin and you enjoy it, there'll come a point when God himself will let you go. 
And after you have made a mess of your life, if you should come to your senses and say, I'm going in the wrong direction here, I need to turn around and go back. If you will do that, the Lord will receive you again. In the parable of the prodigal son, you read that the father was watching and waiting for his boy to come home. When he finally came home, the father had the right to beat him half to death for what he had done, but he didn't. Instead, the Bible said that he ran out and fell on his neck and hugged him and kissed him even though he smelled like a pig. That's what the father did. He brought him into the house. He clothed him, put shoes on his feet, and a ring on his finger, which is a sign of authority. The father ordered his servants to kill the fat cow, and a celebration broke out. In this parable, when the father was talking to the older son, concluded with this statement. Luke 15 and verse 32. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy son, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. It's such a big deal when someone gets saved that the angels of heaven rejoice, the Bible says. When one sinner repents, it's a true miracle that the Lord has done. But my question to you is, are you going to be there? When that role is called up yonder, are you going to be there to rejoice with the Lord and his angels and his saints? I sure hope you will. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to preach your word. Father, thank you for this church and for the people who work diligently make sure that your work gets done. Father, pray for Brother Dalton and his willingness to step up at a moment's notice. Pray for our pastor. Pray that you will put your hand of mercy on him and Pam. And if it is, you will, Lord, bring her back to good health. Bring us back on Sunday, Lord. Prepare our hearts to face the weak and be a good witness to you, Lord, wherever we go. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.